Hey guys, welcome to episode number 10 of the Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast. I'm Steve Fountas along here with... Eric Sanchez. Eric, how are you? Doing good, how are you? 10 episodes. I'm good, sorry I interrupted you there. 10 episodes. Well, you were on nine of them, so... (laughs) (laughs) That's fine, I mean, 10s. Ten's a uh, historic number for us. Cool. Talk to your mic a little bit more. Move it up a little bit so you can. So it's at your mouth, not at your chin. One, one. There, a little bit better. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, we got our tenth episode, and we're picking up tons and tons of steam. Just hundreds and millions of listeners. Not, not really, but that's okay. Uh, it's been fun so far. We're going to keep going with it, and today it's going to continue the WrestleMania Memories Project, and we have an interview today with Josh Cage. And Josh is a pretty big wig on WrestlingForum.com, uh, where there's a WrestleMania travel thread every year, always has been. And he kind of organizes it, tells everyone tips, tells everyone what ticket costs are going to be, where the best seats are, exchanges, all that stuff. Um, so he's got a ton of uh, info on that, as well as he does a lot of the outside of just WWE stuff at WrestleMania weekend, so he's going to talk about that. And that's coming up uh, in the second half of the show today, so... The topic of today's show, since it's the 10th episode, is the top 10 WrestleMania main events. And when I say by main events, is sh- matches that are actually the last match on the show. So this isn't necessarily the top 10 WrestleMania matches of all time, because these definitely aren't. But as far as matches that close the show, these are your top. These are our top 10 that we were able to figure out. So... Eric and I made a couple lists. There's a little disagreements, but we ended up with the top 10, which we'll reveal to you. But first, we can do talk a couple of honorable mentions. Oh, before we get started, never, I don't know how I skipped this. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at PPWpodcast, uh, PPWpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to shoot us an email and on SoundCloud, you can find us Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes or any other podcast app you have. You can find us just by simply searching Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast. Uh, one more thing I haven't really mentioned in a few weeks because I didn't think it really matters, and I guess it doesn't, but if you want to leave a rating for us on iTunes, it'll it'll be, make us become a little bit more visible to anyone that's looking for a show. Um, if not, no big deal. Just listen and follow on Twitter and give me feedback, and there's been a lot of interaction lately, so I've been appreciating it. Um, all right, let's get into the actual show now, Eric. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. <clears throat> so did you have any uh, honorable mention that you know didn't make our list? Well, uh... I mean... Yeah, there's a couple that I really liked. Um, didn't really make the top. Well, they made my top ten, but after talking about it, uh, I really liked the Shawn Michaels versus Stone Cold at WrestleMania 14, mm-hmm. and the the Rock versus Cena, the first one, WrestleMania 28. Yeah. So, well, well, first let's talk about Austin versus Michaels WrestleMania 14. Now, did you like that just because of the time and, and how it was kind of a launching point of the Attitude Era and Austin's big match or just the fact that Michael was hurt and pushed through it? like Both. 
I think back, I, I, mean, I ordered that one. I had it on videotape, and I probably watched it like 20 times. Just I don't know. To me, that was my favorite WrestleMania match. So personally, I can see how that kind of gets influenced mm-hmm. to be in my top ten. Yeah, I mean, it's two. Of my, it's my top two rushes of all time at WrestleMania. So I, you'd think it'd make mine, but I think it's because both of those guys had much better WrestleMania matches. I didn't, I didn't want to put that in there. I mean, it was a good match, but because Michaels was so hurt, it didn't. It's not amazing that they yeah. could have like we talked about it before on a random like I think awesome matches show where they had a better match at King of the Ring '97 with Michaels versus Austin. So with not a good finish, so I think they could have combined the finish of this match or the WrestleMania match with the King of the Ring would have been good if Michaels was in his physical condition to compete in that match, but he wasn't. Yeah. Um, as far as Roxena. That's another match that I I have a personal bias towards that I had to put aside because I was there for it and I've talked about it, how excited my friends were that The Rock beat Cena because he shouldn't. This is yeah. Rock Cena 1, the once in a lifetime. Yeah, in that one I got marks. really excited about because, well, I went away from uh, wrestling for a while. I started to get back little by little, but this was the first WrestleMania that I, I remember buying the DVD also because I thought it was so good. And just the buildup with The Rock and Cena, it's almost about a year in the making. Um and it's just both two guys are just super iconic at the time. Cena super popular. Rock is just over. And this was the everything. Rock's first one-on-one match in since WrestleMania twenty, so eight years. Yeah. I mean, he had the tag match at Survivor Series, which was just kind of a warm-up, I think, yeah. for him. But yeah, it, it, it's a little sloppy of a match. The Rock gets gassed, um, but the ending, the, the beginning and the end are pretty awesome sequences. Mm-hmm. But the middle part of it, it also goes thirty minutes, so it's a long match. Uh, but it's. It goes a little too slow, I think, in the middle to make the top ten. Yeah. Uh, you asked me, too, when you said, hey, when you're making this list, are you talking about storyline and the build or just the match itself? And I was like, well, I was kind of just thinking the match itself. but yeah, storyline- I was thinking story because this one originally ranked, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, I'd say around, I think it was five that I had it because just the story and the, the promos that The Rock gave you know, before the match and Cena back and forth just putting each other down in the Fruity Pebbles and... Cena getting on the the, the cover of Fruity Pebbles uh, cereal, just the back and forth and Rock being yeah. from Miami and yeah. being in Miami, it just everything was just so I thought it was just great. They released actually a DVD Blu-ray set. It's on the network, but it's not as complete. It's called Rock Cena Once in a Lifetime. It has all the promos, all the build up, uh, a separate little documentary. It's and there pre- was the one hour documentary I think they did on Raw. Or yeah, they did before before Raw. That was that was that was I think that was a different version of this one is like a different cut. Okay. Um, but the rock scene once in a lifetime it's it's very rare that you get an entire angle on one little set given to you and they did that there which was kind of cool. Yeah. And it's it's something cool to check out. Um, another one that didn't make the top ten that made your top ten but not mine and it made it made yours more I think for the story was the Hogan Macho Man match from WrestleMania five. Yeah. And that one didn't make my top ten just because the match itself isn't great. It's okay. It's a good match. But then at the end, just your standard Hogan match, which I'm okay with. But when I'm ranking my top ten, <laughs> he's not going to make it on it. But the story itself, the build to that, maybe one of the best builds ever. It is. And I thought the aftermath right afterwards was really cool because then Sensational Sherry gets involved. It gets a little goofy because <laughs> he gets Zeus but, involved. <laughs> but then that's how you get uh macho man with with sherry and then i don't know i think elizabeth just goes away do you remember uh yeah elizabeth no elizabeth's kind of around for a little bit but she goes you're right she goes away for about a year 
and then she comes back at the our favorite WrestleMania seven match with Hogan and or I'm sorry with Macho Man and Ultimate Warrior. But do you remember? This is not WrestleMania related, but the reasoning for Zeus coming in, like the storyline kayfabe reason given to fans, why Zeus is now in the WWF after being in the, the movie. Storyline. I just remember them being in the movie and no holds barred. Yeah. So Hogan and Zeus are no holds barred, fictional characters. Mm-hmm. But then Zeus comes in and says in storyline mode that Hogan like tried to steal the spotlight him from the movie, so he's gonna take it out. Take him out. Which would make sense if he was playing an actor the actual person, Tiny Lister. Yeah. Not the character Zeus, um, but when I was a kid, like I, I bought Zeus. I think it was at the oh, I did old too. bar. Yeah. I did the whole deal. Like I, I didn't know he didn't he couldn't wrestle for shit. I watched that movie probably not even six seven months ago, mm-hmm. and it's it's a silly movie, but it's still a good movie. No, it's not. It's horrible. <laughs> I, I have it. If you're not expecting me. like Oscar <laughs> acting, then yeah, there's a lot of good. there's a scene where Hogan tries to save someone from being raped. It's like whoa, this is like an intense movie for the <laughs> WWF films. Um. So we're going to get right into the top 10 because uh, listeners kind of criticized us on our top 10 uh, theme song show. We were like, there's 10 minutes left. You haven't even gotten to your top 10 themes. You've spent the entire time on honorable mentions, Um, which maybe that says something our list was wrong. But we'll get started here again. This is the top 10 WrestleMania main events, not WrestleMania matches, but main events, the last match on the show. So number 10 was from WrestleMania 31. It's going to be Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns with the run-in from Seth Rollins. Now, we don't have to break this down too much because we did uh, talk a lot about talk about it a lot in our WrestleMania 31 show. Um, and if you haven't listened to that one, it's on SoundCloud. Or if you're subscribed on iTunes, you can listen to it and break down the whole WrestleMania 31 show. Uh, but is there anything else you think you can add that we didn't touch on with this match with Brock versus Roman at WrestleMania 31 that we didn't talk about a few weeks ago? I think we did talk about it, but we both forgot about Seth Rollins because he was on earlier in the match against... Right, when we were watching it live, we forgot about him. Yeah. Other than that, no, I think we both talked about how, how strong the match was. Mm-hmm. It was like two bulls going at it. And how, how like I think the crowd was into it a lot because everyone just assumed Reigns was going to win. Mm-hmm. And near the end when they kind of start doing the thing where he does the triple Superman punches and, and the crowd's kind of groaning like, boo, and then Brock kicks out, and then that's when we get – and he hits an F5, and then we get the, the crazy run in. And um, Do you think if Seth Rollins didn't run in and cashed in either Brock or just Roman won – this match would have been remembered or would it, would it have just been kind of pushed to the side? Probably pushed to the side because Rollins made it one of the most memorable matches. Yeah, he did. And it's important to realize, though, the match itself before Rollins ran in was was a good match. It was brutal. There was uh, I was actually watching today uh, another match on our list um, where there was blood in the main event. Like one of the guys was bleeding. I'm like, oh, man, when was the last time that someone bled after this? And the last time I can think of was WrestleMania 31 when Brock bled mm-hmm. in the main event. And it, 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 I'm glad they don't bleed at all, pretty much at all anymore, because when they, when someone does bleed, it actually means something now. Whereas in the Attitude Era, every match, every main event, you're cutting your forehead open and you're, and you're bleeding all over the place. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't. We, we can't talk too much about it because we just talked about it like a couple weeks ago. So go ahead and listen to our WrestleMania 31 show about it. Um, it's on the SoundCloud and iTunes app and whatever podcast app you have for Android or whatever. Yeah. So this is number nine, and this is the match I'm referring to. Uh, Shawn Michaels versus John Cena from WrestleMania 23. Did you go back and watch this one when I told you to, or no? 
I did watch it because we talked about this before, and I remember watching it before. Okay. But I totally forgot about the story. I'm like, oh, this one's. Yeah. <laughs> so I started watching it. And I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't think it was that. I don't know. I didn't think it was that great, but. The story yeah. building up to the match is not that great. You're right. Yeah. It's not. It's kind of contrived because originally this was supposed to be Triple H in this role, but he got hurt again, and it was supposed to be a rematch from WrestleMania 22. Mm-hmm. So they just kind of slid Michaels in there, and then they did a kind of a goofy storyline where they made them tag team champions, and the whole thing was, is Shawn Michaels or won't Shawn Michaels super kick Cena? Um, Michaels won a number one contenders match in, on Raw. I think it was a fatal four-way or a triple threat or something. And, and <clears throat> excuse me, he... He just kind of, like I said, slid in there. It wasn't a crazy build. But the match itself, I've got some notes on as far as I thought it was a really good storytelling match, the match itself. Um, I attended this WrestleMania Live, and my friends and I all just kind of assumed that Michaels was going to win. And I guess we shouldn't have because it didn't make sense. He was still young coming up at the time. He needed a bigger win over another veteran back-to-back WrestleManias. And he got into beating, beating Michaels by making him tap. To the STFU at the time that took away the U as he got older. Um, so one of the notes I have is it starts off with Cena surprising Michaels by out wrestling him, like doing moves in the, in the, in the commentators' comment saying, "Oh, Mike, Michaels was not expecting this. You know, he's expecting a brawl, and he wasn't expecting Cena to be out wrestling him." Um, and I thought that was a night. I'm like, "Oh yeah, I forgot they did that. Like that's kind of a cool touch." Mm-hmm. Um, and then by Michaels. Being out wrestled, he kind of forced Cena, kind of forced Michaels into and turning into a brawl. Which the story being told there is okay. Michaels didn't prepare for Cena to be to be able to out wrestle him, so Michaels like okay, I'm going to brawl him, which is in theory what Cena would have wanted him to do because he's a better brawler than Michaels to get yeah. the advantage. And there were the a lot of stiff shots, yeah, in there. And this is and again where Michaels bl- starts bleeding, and like mm-hmm. um, this was the last WrestleMania someone was bleeding in until WrestleMania 31. Um, there's also a ton of crazy bumps in this match. Like you said, there's Michaels does the springboard moonsault. Um, he kept seeing a spike pile driver on the steps. That would never happen again, ever. Right. Um, there's great... And, oh, uh, at near the end of the match, not not right near the end, but there's a bunch of awesome reversals as both guys try to hit their finishers. Like, he's mm-hmm. got the, the add to adjustment into the super kick, into the STF reversal to roll up. It's... A really sweet sequence of events, and the crowd, like, it's a, probably for about a minute and a half, and the crowd, after it's over, is kind of like, whoa, and starts cheering when they're both laying down. I, I think when when it's done right and doesn't feel forced, mm-hmm. those type of sequences are always awesome. You got nothing? That's all you got? Yeah, that's all I've got. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, and then if no one's ever seen the match, ends up happening is Michaels does hit the super kick, but the referee's down, so Cena kicks out after the referee recovers. Um, it's actually kind of a cool part of the match with a super kick because Cena has Michaels in the STFU and they're in the middle of the ring. Michaels is Michaels is always great at selling and you know and selling the fact that oh this is I'm never gonna get out of this. He reaches the ropes. But Cena is so frustrated he holds on as he's on the ropes. The ref physically pulls Cena off and starts talking to him in the corner and the camera is is just on Cena and as Michaels gets up, as Cena's walking towards him, Michaels hits him with a super kick out of nowhere. <laughs> and then that's that was one of the, like, oh, my God, he's going to win type yeah. of thing. So that was a, a little awesome little moment there. So this next match, you're going to – did you watch this next one, which is number eight? Um, Brock Lesnar versus Kurt Angle. Yeah, I watched it got over here. Okay. I so, forgot how good this match was. So go ahead. Uh, and you, just, could t- you could lead this one since you're a little bit fresher with it. It's just more or less too – It felt real. Yeah, it felt real because they were both real. Um 
what do you call it? Amateur wrestling. Amateur, <laughs> amateur Which is wrestling. ironic that real wrestling is called amateur and yeah. fake wrestling is called pro wrestling. Right. Um, so just the two. I mean, you got the Olympic gold medalist. you got the NCAA champ. Um, just going at it back and forth. I think uh, Brock Lesnar won the Royal Rumble mm-hmm. to get into the main event for uh, the title. And building up to it, it was more angle was being the heel going into it because so I was team angle. Yeah, I wasn't watching wrestling at this time at all. Like this is something I had to go back and watch. I didn't watch this live at all, so I don't really know much of the background on it. Yeah, there was the team angle deal where Brock Lesnar was just getting frustrated because he really wanted to get his hands on angle before WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. So I think there was a match that they had that uh, I, I forget the uh, Charlie Haas. Yeah. was in Team Angle. So mm-hmm. they're both wearing, they got the Angle sweaters on, yeah. the Team Angle. Yeah. So Charlie Haas is in the ring with the hood up, and, well, I'm sorry. Brock Lesnar originally, originally starts wrestling Kurt I, I know what you're talking about, yeah. So Angle rolls out. They Haas do, they do twin magic almost. <laughs> yeah. So Brock is on, and then he gets up, not to get the three, and then this guy isn't Kurt Angle. So then he's looking around, and he finds Kurt Angle up the ramp with the other guy, mm-hmm. um, Benjamin. WWE likes to do that a lot, like WrestleMania so nine and with yeah. two doinks and now Dickie and Brie Bella. <laughs> yeah, but just Angle was just doing so much to get under his skin and also to try to avoid Brock until WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. But then to get to this match, I thought the buildup was really good and and the crowd loved it. Yeah, they did. And it, uh, I, some notes I have is it starts off like we said, very real, pretty hard hitting. Um, normally I don't like it when they do, you know, chain wrestling and like mat wrestling. Like it's, you don't have to do that. This isn't a real competition. You could tell a better story. You don't have to do chain wrestling, but it made sense here because they were both actual amateur wrestlers. Yeah. Um, and the moves were good. They went from, you know, standing switches. They did uh, headlocks and suplexes. And yeah. Everything, I don't look crisp because they're both mm-hmm. great amateur wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And they're both great pro wrestlers too. Yeah. Uh, Another thing I noticed, too, was Brock is significantly bigger than Kurt, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem like it. You know, it, do, it doesn't seem unbelievable that Kurt could be stronger or outmaneuvering Brock. Yeah. Um, originally, I, I found this out, too. This was not supposed to be the main event of this WrestleMania. The main event was supposed to be Austin versus Rock 3. But there's the famous story of Austin spent the night in the hospital before this WrestleMania Um he was just drinking a bunch of energy drinks and dehydrated and, and he ended up in the hospital. Um, if you ever get a chance, it's not super rare. I'm sure it's on daily motion or, or YouTube, but WWE released a documentary called the mania of WrestleMania. And they released it with the WrestleMania 20 DVD set. And it shows behind the scenes of WrestleMania 19. And it shows talks about this match, about how bad a shape Kurt Engel was actually in going into the match. Like his neck was just jacked up to hell. He didn't show it. Right, he didn't, and um, he had surgery immediately after like this match. Not like obviously in the back, but right after this match, he had surgery. And obviously, there's the big spot at the end where Brock hits the shooting star press, but he misses it. And when he was setting up for it, because you obviously know what's going to happen, I I I noticed like holy shit, Kurt Angle is way too far away from him. How do you not see that? Like he's not in the middle of the ring. He's like three quarters away. On the other corner, but there were ring. times because he's a he's a tall guy. Mm-hmm. Maybe he could have hit it, but Kurt Angle, I think, had him in the angle lock a couple times, and it didn't look like he could reach the rope because he was almost in the middle. Mm-hmm. But Brock pulled himself enough to to be long enough and tall enough. To well, grab Brock's the rope. about I think Brock's six three, yeah. so he's a, he's a tall guy, but still, I mean, him he does the the shooting star press, but I can't believe like one, I can't believe <laughs> that after he hit it. 
he was obviously knocked out, but instinct kicked in, and Angle covered him right away. I'm guessing his ankle thought, all right, this match is over. Yeah, I'm, I got to win. It sucks, whatever. I think he talks about it in the documentary. He's uh-huh. like, you know, I'll just figure it out, and we'll do you know, roll up on SmackDown or something, and I'll lose the title then. But Brock kicked out like he knew to kick out, and he then ends up hitting the F5 on Angle and pinning him. So I'm like, man, he was out of it. Yeah. And then on the Mania of WrestleMania documentary, too, uh, when they're in the back, Kurt Angle's like said he's like I just got the chill, started shaking, sweating profusely, and Brock in the other hand, he's like he was like a bull, wouldn't let anybody touch him, pushed everyone away, get away from me, get away from me, and like with all of that, I think it's a shame that this match is only remembered for that last spot, but up until yeah. then, it's a great match, right? I thought it was just incredible, and it's hard to unless you're watching it, it's hard to emphasize how incredible it is to see the two best amateur wrestlers, you know, wrestle each other, mm-hmm. you know, in a WWE ring. I mean, you could watch on ESPN, like real amateur wrestling and just, just the, the actual moves that they do, you know, they translate it to pro wrestling and throw a little pro wrestling yeah. in the mix it with it. But it looked really, I, I thought it was great. Yeah, it, it was. And, and I, I recently watched, rewatched it too. And I'm like, man, cause originally I was like, you know, maybe I think that match is overrated. I think people only like it because of that spot. And I was like, no, I was definitely yeah. wrong. It's a great match. So that we got at number eight. Uh, number seven is going to be from WrestleMania 30, the main event, uh, Daniel Bryan versus Randy Orton versus Batista. And this is the triple threat match that originally was supposed to be just Randy Orton versus Batista. <laughs> right. And everybody in the world, including Batista, knew that was a bad idea except for Vince McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in Vince McMahon's defense, he's doing the exact same thing now with Goldberg, and it's working. Yeah, you know, old you know, old star comes back, wins. The, he didn't win the rumble, but still takes the title. You know, big big baby face return. So it's working. He just picked the wrong guy, and plus, they don't have a Daniel Bryan right now, where we just wanted him to win so yeah, bad. Yeah, there isn't one. I mean, there's people that uh, you know we really like, but it's not that that fever of the yes movement. This is this is a match where the story's amazing and the match is very good. The story's mm-hmm. better than the match, but the match isn't bad or by any means. It's it's still a really good match. And I think had Brian not wrestled Triple H earlier and had a better match with Triple H, it, this would be remembered as a lot better of a match. Um, because this more felt like just a, a crowning moment for him. Like once he got past Triple H, okay, now he can have his his yeah. crowning moment match. So um we talked about this match a little bit, like I think on the awesome moments we were talking about the yes movement stuff, but do you have any like thoughts or, or memories of this match in particular? Well, this one I was kind of, kind of, I mean, I was watching wrestling at this time, so it just Daniel Bryan had to overcome so much and just get, I don't know, to get the respect of Triple H. I mean, I'm sure behind the scenes he did, but. Yeah, this is just, just storyline-wise. Yeah, yeah storyline, yeah. just to get into that match, and everybody just from coast to coast every arena was yesing for brian and he was so over with it i mean there's a lot of people that say they hate him but i don't who cares about that just the majority of people love daniel brian wanted him to to be the champion overcome Mm -hmm. triple h and the authority and all the stuff that they were you know making him the ultimate underdog yeah and it was just i think what's like i said what struggles he had the match earlier in the night but also I never thought going in that there was any way in hell anybody other than Daniel Bryan was going to win that match. That being said, there was one time in the match when they got me. 
Uh, I think Brian got like shoved out of the ring or something by Batista, or no, he got Batista bombed, I believe, uh-huh. rolled out of the ring, Orton hit the RKO on Batista, I'm like, oh my God, Orton's going to fucking win. Right. And then he kicked out, but they got me. <laughs> yeah, so like, that was like, I can't believe that happened, because I mean, early in the night, that night, Undertaker lost, so up, anything, anything was possible now, you know? Yeah. Um, and Brian, the finish of the match I thought was great. It's the running me on Orton, it's the yes like on Batista, so he hit both finishers, um, I thought that part where he was even on the stretcher getting pulled out, like that's kind of a cliche moment they always use, but I liked it. Yeah. Um, it added more of what he had to overcome. Mm-hmm. It gave him a little a little rest after having another match. Um, but it's the yes, like a Matista wins. You get the great call by Michael Cole saying the miracle on Bourbon Street. He starts yesing, confetti flying in the Superdome. Yeah. No matter what happens, I know his career got cut short and his title reign wasn't great, but... He'll always have that. And I've heard him in interviews talk, and he's kind of, like, modest about it. And I get being modest about it, like, this is just my job. But not everybody gets to have that type of moment and that type of build at WrestleMania, mm-hmm. at the biggest show of the year. Every year there's a WrestleMania main event. Every year there's a WrestleMania. Every year there's big matches. But not like that. That doesn't happen every year. Right. So there's only a handful in the history. You know, can you think of any other match that had that big of a build and that big of a payoff? You know, I mean, the Warrior Hogan match had a big build, but the payoff was we're okay. Pretty much, people were okay with whoever won. You right. know, yeah. And then WrestleMania 12 had the Boyhood Dream storyline with Michaels, but again, two baby faces, people would have been okay with Bret Hart winning. Maybe Austin beating Michaels because there was a huge payoff where someone it was just we want this to happen and it did, but it's pretty rare that you get that big of a payoff. Yeah, the closest I would say would be Austin over Michaels and you know, Michaels DX, mm-hmm. WrestleMania 14. Mm-hmm. I liked both of them at that time. But you like uh, Austin and Michaels? Yeah. Where this one, I didn't <laughs> I, I didn't like Batista or Orton, and that's where mm-hmm. I really wanted Brock I don't think anybody liked Batista or Orton at the time. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of um, Shawn Michaels, our number six match, we're say this, then take our break is going to be the Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels Iron Man match from WrestleMania 12. I know this match sometimes is, is tough to watch for people because it's so long, but I think it tells a great story from top to bottom. Bret Hart talks about it too. He's like, we've, we've, we laid this whole match out. He's like, I remember thinking, there's a spot we play. He's like, okay, and then five minutes left, you're going to hit the superplex on me at the rope. He's like, and he's like, I was in the match. And I looked up, and he's setting me up. I'm like, holy crap, there's five minutes left. We did it. Like, yeah. everything we wanted to do, we did. And I think if you go back and watch the match, appreciating that, like the little nuances, it makes it a lot better of a match to enjoy. Yeah. The way that uh, Michaels comes off the top lasts 35 seconds. Mm, off the top rope? Yeah, and Brett <laughs> catches him in the sharp shoulder. Yeah. I thought that was it. I'm like, he's going to tap out with one or two seconds left, but he didn't. I'm like, when you're watching live. Yeah, Who do you, you want to win live? Do you remember? Brett. Boo. <laughs> I did. Because to me, Brett was more established. He, I mean, he's been around since I started watching. Um, okay. I, I just thought he, he was the better so, wrestler. So he's got the sharp. What did you think after, I the, time, the, after the time ran out? Do you think it was just going to be a tie? What do you think? I just thought he retained his title because it lasted 60 minutes and then Monsoon came out. Mm-hmm. And then I wasn't sure who was going to win. 
and then Michael <laughs> when hits. he restarted the match. I, I like the fact that it t- at, see at the time when this was going on, it was one finisher and you were done. Mm-hmm. So I like the fact that they made Michaels hit Brett with two super kicks to win. So yeah. it wasn't just one he covered up. I mean, after a sixty minute plus match exhaustion, you know he did it and he won. Now a lot of people have complained about there's only one fall, but I've read about this in both Michaels and, and Brett's books where they said. Look, if we're the two best guys in the company, mm-hmm. why would we beat each other one after fall, fall after fall? He's like, it would make sense that we couldn't beat each other. It would be one to nothing. That's what it would make sense to be for the two top guys in the company. Yeah, um, I don't think they've done an Iron Man match since where they've done only one fall. They've done a handful uh, of them, but there hasn't been one fall for sure. Sasha and Charlotte, I think, went the distance. Yeah, but it wasn't one fall. I think it was one to one. Okay, I think. Um, but that. I think this is as far as Iron Man matches go. The one that I think would be better was Austin. Or I'm sorry, The Rock and Triple H did one, mm-hmm. which at the end it just got ridiculous. The Gunner came back on his motorcycle as the American Badass gimmick, and Austin comes out. It's just ridiculous. But that match itself, that does a bunch of falls, does a good job of it too. Yeah, I think um, this one is pretty straight down the middle. With I mean, you had Jose outside. I think I th- yeah, Brett, you know, threw HBK into Jose a couple times, but mm-hmm. other than that, there wasn't. Any interference? No, it was just a straight wrestling match for sixty minutes, yeah. sixty plus minutes. So, and twenty minutes into it, forty minutes into it, even forty minutes into it, they—I mean—they look a little tired, but they're still pulling off, you know, mm-hmm. suplexes and and throws over the throwing over the top rope and mm-hmm. elbows were in the middle. I mean, just so many things that you would think somebody who's exhausted would just say, "Well, we're not going to do that. We'll just stick to the ground and do headlocks." This was another match too that told the story of. They, the announcers call it out. They say, you know, if Michaels is going to win this match, he's got to be high flying, he's faster. But he starts off with wrestling holds on Brett. Yeah. And they're like, Brett's got to be surprised about this. There's no way he was expecting this. And this also, we talked about this before. The build of this was, you know, we had Michaels training in a garage, doing upside down push ups on a bar with Jose Lothario, and then Brett Hart's, you know, getting beat up by his dad <laughs> in the <laughs> and, dungeon. Yeah, and Brett Hart's <laughs> mad about that, but like we both we both bought it as a kid because they made it seem like Stu, his dad, was a super strong guy no matter how old he was. And Brett was running like along the icy roads. He's like you know, I, I, could, I couldn't run fast, so I looked like a little old withered man. I'm like, no, we just thought you were in the cold training outside like a badass. Like, right. that's what we thought. So it's kind of sucks like that he the thinks old Rocky like, training. Uh-huh, where, you know, Michaels has got the advanced stats and <laughs> right, the, right, the Russian technology. Starts throwing logs, having Polly yell at him out of the sleigh. Yeah. Um, so that's number six. And right now we're going to take a quick break and go to our interview. Uh, Josh Cage is going to be on the show right now, and he's going to talk about his WrestleMania experience stuff, that the ones he's been to as long as tips, as uh, about wrestlers he's got to meet, shows he's gotten to see. Um, so go ahead and take a listen. He talks about, you can follow him on Twitter, on his YouTube page, all that stuff. So uh, here is Josh Cage uh, for WrestleMania Memories. All right, guys, now we're going to go to St. Louis for the next interview in our WrestleMania Memories project. Josh Cage on the line. Josh, how are you? How you doing? I'm good. Good, good. Uh, I'm going to introduce myself formally. I'm Steve, by the way, from the Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast. Uh, this is, like I said to you a second ago, something we've been working on. It's been going kind of fun. And uh, Josh, you had went to both 30 and 32 for your WrestleMania yes. experience. Uh, really quick, I'm assuming you've been a fan for a while. What made you decide to go finally to WrestleMania 30 the first time? The funny thing is, uh, I haven't been watching wrestling very long before I went to WrestleMania 30. Okay. Uh, I'm 18 now. Okay. So, um, 
the first time I ever saw wrestling, I had turned 10 years old and it was right after 24 and it was Ric Flair's uh, retirement okay. uh, speech. And then after that, I hadn't seen wrestling for, and that was 2008. I hadn't seen wrestling for almost another four years. And then I was watching and, uh, it was early 2012. And then The Rock got me hooked on. I found out he was wrestling. So I watched WrestleMania 28 on pay-per-view. And then I was like, oh man, I really want to go to this one day. It looks really cool. Yeah. And, uh, and then like a year later, I found out it was going to be in my hometown, New Orleans. I'm like, oh, I've already got a house there. So, you know, might as well go. And that's how I ended up going to uh, WrestleMania 30. So it really didn't take very long uh, for me to get there from the time I became a fan. So you've got a kind of a cool um, scenario as far as, I guess, perspective, because everyone else has been talking to have been fans for a while. You know, some people as back as WrestleMania 6. So when you started, um, you said you ordered WrestleMania 28 on pay-per-view. Did you have any like knowledge at the time? I guess you saw on pay-per-view how massive it was with the stadium and everything. Did you have any concept of how big the actual event would be before you actually went to New Orleans? Mm, not really. I had a concept because I'd always watched um, like YouTube stuff about WrestleMania. Yeah, and I watched people's like their trips and stuff, like Stevie Breach and uh, stuff like that. But until I really got there, I had no clue. You know what I mean? It it just all the street banners and stuff. Everybody, everybody and their mother's cousin was wearing a wrestling shirt in New yeah. Orleans. It takes over so, the town. I was, my wife yeah. went for the first time in Dallas last year with me, and she's not really a fan. But I was trying to explain to her like, you have no idea. Like you think you know, but literally the whole town's taken yeah. over <laughs> by fans. So, so you got to go to a pretty awesome WrestleMania in New Orleans. Uh, that was the big culmination of the Daniel Bryan storyline, plus the end of the streak with The Undertaker. Uh, any thoughts about the show itself when you were there? You know, anything from the streak, Daniel, Daniel Bryan's match, anything at all you want to talk about being at the Superdome that night? Oh, my God. So when I bought tickets, I bought tickets the day they came out. I just knew uh, at that point, I just knew Daniel Bryan was going to be uh, going out on top. So I just wanted to see it. So being there for that, that was really special you know all that all the yes movement stuff going on yeah when i look back on it it seems really cheesy but it was just perfect at the time you know yeah um so that that was a big reason for me being there that was that was amazing um to be there to see that in person i don't think it would connect with um people that hadn't been there you know what i mean yeah uh, the way it did with us uh the undertaker losing his streak was it's funny because there was a guy that was sitting behind me and we'd been talking the whole the whole show and we've been talking about all the matches, all you know, usual stuff that right. uh, wrestling fans do. And Undertaker and Brock Lesnar had made their entrances. Undertaker was standing in the ring. This was right before the bell rang. I turned around to the guy and I said, what if Brock beats the streak right now? And then he just kind of looked down. He shook his head and then... Uh, you know, I turned around uh -huh. the next time we were looking at each other, <laughs> Undertaker was laying on his back in the middle of the ring. Yeah. So I, I asked other people that have been to this show, could you kind of describe how your sec, where were you sitting? Like, what was your section like when the Undertaker lost? Cause that was, it, granted the match itself wasn't great, but it's still a moment that's going to live on forever because of the ending to it. So where were you, what was your section feeling like during that when it, when the match was over? 
So my, my section was full of marks. Um, there were like a couple children, but most of the people were adults. Yeah. So it was a pretty hardcore base. I was in one of the, uh, the, the second level up the club section was yeah. like, I was in one of those sections. I was in really close to the bottom of that. And everybody in that section, we were about half asleep. Right. There were 10 or 11 people chanting boring. I think I closed my eyes a couple of times during the match. And as it's happening, you know, it, it seemed like a casual count, right? Because no one was counting it. And, you know, they, I, uh, Brock picked him up for the third F5. I'm like, oh man, that's number three right there. And then he pinned him and I was just like, you know how you just kind of go along with you uh-huh. like one, two. I was like, one, two, three. Wait a minute. Did you and think they messed up? Because a lot of people in my section thought they messed up. <laughs> I did, I didn't think they messed up. I figured, I figured that's just how it was supposed to go. I, you know, I'm at this point, I'm like, well, it's, it's wrestling, you know, they, they know what they're doing. Yeah. So I figured, you know, that was just it. I was just in complete shock. And my section, I, I didn't hear a peep out of anybody in my section. Uh-huh. It was like a, it was like half the people just went, holy crap. And then everybody just kind of sat there and we were all looking around at each other. Me and the guy that was uh, piggybacking me were, just looking around, like yeah. trying to figure out what was going on. And in the midst of us looking around, that big 21 and one came across the screen. And I think, I think just about everybody in my section had a heart attack. Yeah. A guy, um, not in my section, but a friend I was, that was at, um, he said his a guy next to him got up and left and didn't come back from the rest of the show. Uh, mm-hmm. so it was, it was pretty intense. And, and like you said, you were kind of, you and your section was kind of saying boring and half fallen asleep. Everyone kind of took it for granted. They just assumed they knew it was going to happen. Uh, yes. So in retrospect, hey, maybe it was a they took a regular, otherwise boring match and made it stand up um, in a pretty big moment in, in WWE history. What about, uh, did you do anything else when you were in New Orleans besides just the WrestleMania show? Did you go to the Access or WrestleCon or just kind of hang out? Okay, I went to, uh, I went to Access, WrestleCon, um, Hall of Fame, and Raw. So you did the whole deal, the whole experience. Well, um, at the time, yeah. <laughs> any any uh, standout people that you got to meet at Access and WrestleCon, like that you were cool experiences, I guess. Uh, WrestleCon was uh, DDP was a standout uh, person. Uh, he was the first wrestler I met. He's one of my favorite of all time. Uh-huh. You know, great that he's uh, going into the Hall of Fame now. Um, I, you know, walked up to him. And, you know, we, we shared a couple words and then he had his WCW title. And I was like, is that the, um, is that the real thing you want? He's like, yeah, let me put it on your shoulder. And he stuck it on my shoulder. Uh huh. Took a picture with him. Guy was so nice. And then he goes, he goes, uh, are you here to meet Jake too? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. And Jake had a long line, man, at the time. Yeah. He slid me over to Jake Roberts, uh, to take a picture right after I was with him. And I tried to pay, and then they they didn't let me pay for the second picture. So that's that'll awesome. Always be a, yeah, that'll always be a pretty standout moment for me. Uh huh. That's awesome. You know? Yeah, people always like you know don't meet your heroes or whatever, and like I did, and he was pretty nice. Awesome. So that Hall of Fame was pretty awesome too. That was the Ultimate Warrior. It was Jake Roberts. It was Scott Hall. So that was 
Uh, I've been uh, I've been to every WrestleMania every year from 23 to 32. I skipped 31, but every other year I've been there. I only went to the Hall of Fame once, and that was at uh, 27 for Shawn Michaels getting in. But I, if it was one I kind of regret not going to, it was 30 because those speeches were so great, and the Warriors especially, uh, and then Jake and everything. It seemed like when Jake was talking, everyone was hanging on his every word. Did you yes. kind of get that, that vibe when you were there? Yes, it was the Hall of Fame. You know, I didn't expect it to be much because I grew up a church kid, so, you know, people talking is just kind of like, it goes over my head. Right. And, uh, you know, I was there for the Ultimate Warrior. Um, Ultimate Warrior is probably my favorite wrestler of all time. And I just said, you know, I don't care where I sit. I I have to be at the Hall of Fame for that speech. Um, and, you know, I, I hung on every word everybody said. Lita's speech was great. Uh, her talking about Mexico and stuff. And then... It was just really cool to see uh, Jake uh, Roberts and, um, oh, man, Scott Hall go in, especially Scott Hall. Yeah. Scott Hall, was, Scott Hall was the speech for me. You know, that was a great speech. It was short and sweet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we ate up every word that he said, you know. So I also went, got to go to the, the Raw after that year, and that was an awesome Raw. That was where the shield turned on, on the Wyatts, and that was her page meter debut and the Warriors' last appearance ever. So... You got, and I tell people that that have been lucky enough to go to thirty. You know, I've been to a lot of them, but as far as historical stuff, that weekend had a ton of it, and you yes. get to go to all of it. So that's pretty lucky for you. Uh, yeah. Any before we go on to Dallas, any other little standout moments or, or things you want to touch on? Um, standout moments for me, uh, WrestleMania thirty weekend. One of my standout moments would have to be. So I was just strutting down the street in a uh, Hulk, Hulk rule shirt, that uh, 2014 uh, shirt yeah. with a boy. And I'm just strutting around the street like a Ric Flair and, you know, having a great time. Uh-huh. You know, all the all the people, everything. I went to the Superdome early. I met Big E uh, on Sunday. And uh-huh. then when we were there, there was nobody at the Superdome. Maybe the first 300 people that were going to meet Big E. We left, walked to the French Quarter, you know, yeah. and when we came back to the Superdome a few hours later, the the parking lots, all the, the Champion Square, everything was just flooded. I'd never seen uh, so many people uh, for a wrestling show. You know, I, I had seen that many people at a Saints game, but... Yeah, it was, it was crazy to see that. Yeah, and it's awesome because, I mean, you, you were from New Orleans originally, you said, and uh, what's cool, I thought, about New Orleans compared to most other cities is, for the most part, everybody just walked over to the stadium that day. So there wasn't mm-hmm. a lot of traffic, at least people that were staying in for WrestleMania. So there's this mass, mass of people walking in one direction, like the Walking Dead or something. It was kind of cool. Yeah. So I don't know yeah. if we'll ever get something like, I guess, next year when it goes back to New Orleans. But uh, So, yeah, New Orleans is a great city and, and a very historical run so you went to 30 and then what made you decide okay i gotta go back i'm going to dallas man okay i have like a short mini story in between okay. go for it i was gonna go to wrestlemania 31 and then my mom said if you because these these are my birthday trips every year my birthday is on april 4th oh perfect so <laughs> this is how i celebrate my birthday yeah. i was gonna go to wrestlemania 31 my mom said if you don't go to 31 I'll pay for your entire WrestleMania 32 trip. 
that's, you know, that's unpassable deal. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't go to 31. And instead, since we live in St. Louis, we went to this restaurant in Chicago called the Squared Circle. Yeah, I'm, I'm and, from Chicago. I'm familiar with it. So, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we went and watched at the Squared Circle, uh, the WrestleMania 31. And that was just as good as being there to me. Um, but going to 32 was just kind of a, a decision I, I had made at WrestleMania 30. I was like, I'm not going to miss any. Yeah. I have to be there every year. It's just it's untouchable when you're there. People that haven't been will never understand until they go. And that's, you know? and that's kind of what I try to get across with this project with people is I, it, even fans that aren't necessarily hardcore fans or longtime fans will have a blast at the show just because if you've ever watched any type of pro wrestling in your life, you'll have fun. Uh, yes. And that's what I told my wife when she came. And she's not a fan at all, but she had a blast. You know, we mm-hmm. tailgated at, at AT&T Stadium, hung out with fans. It was awesome. Uh, the one thing I was most impressed with with 32 was the stadium itself. I'd never been to oh. Cowboy oh. Stadium. So had you ever been there before? No, that was my first time in there, man. I didn't think I'd be blown away by a building, but I was. Yeah, neither did I. I Okay, I got lost going to my seat um, at WrestleMania 32. It took me about 30 minutes to get to my seat because um, they had, because, you know, they have those, like, rooms that you have to go through. Yeah. It's a different sections. And I was stuck in one room going up and downstairs trying to figure out why I couldn't get to another room. Yeah, because it's all, you can't, it's not like a circle. You haven't got to go like zigzag through a maze. Mm hmm. Yeah. And while I was, I was, I ended up on the other side of the stadium from where I needed to be in front of the ESPN booth. Did you at least get to your seats by the time the show started? (laughs) Oh, I got to my seats by the time uh, Kalisto was coming out for the pre-show. Okay, so you were there the whole time, like I was the whole seven-hour show. <laughs> I got in. I got in before the uh, the tickets crash. The ticket uh, scanners crash. Yeah, I, I guess we did too. I got lucky because um, apparently I heard that later that there was a big mass hysteria. And I think the problem was a lot of people were going to their wrong sections at first. But yep. either way, I got in. You got in. So <laughs> we made it. I'm guilty of going to the wrong gate too. <laughs> yeah. Well, like you said earlier, you got lost going up and down the stairs. Most stadiums are just a big circle. This one was not. Yeah, not at all. Not even close. Did you get to go to any other stuff at this one, too? Any access or WrestleCon stuff this time around or just the show? Oh, yeah. Okay, so WrestleMania 32 week, uh, I got to look back on there. I got in Thursday. So Friday I went to uh, Sheamus signing Mm in the morning. uh, And then I went to Evolve uh, Friday afternoon. Um, what else did I, I'm trying to just kind of get my list so I can remember these things. So it sounds like you're the guy that goes there and just packs his schedule with wrestling oh, yes, from, from I, day one till you, till you leave. Yes. I, I've, I've invested like, oh my God, two grand in the tickets this year. Yeah. Are you yeah going, and that's, and that's all sorts of stuff. That's not just the show, right? The WrestleMania. Yeah. Okay. That's everything, dude. Yeah, I mean, besides, I mean, did you get to meet anybody else besides Sheamus or anything? I always like hearing stories of people um, oh, yeah. who got to meet people at WrestleCon and, and Access. I've gone to to Access a couple times because my friend's in the military, mm-hmm. so he kind of brings me in there. Um, never got to do any of the VIP stuff, but just got to meet, like, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, who was the nicest guy in the world, or, yes. or X-Pac, who was also super cool, just some of the legends that are there. Um, but when uh, you were there, yes. did you get anybody fun or cool that year besides Sheamus? When I was... When I was there, I didn't go to Access or WrestleCon. Okay. So uh, at the Evolve shows, they had, like, these little tables uh, yeah. where the wrestlers that were on those shows um, 
were, you know, signing and selling yeah. T-shirts. Gimmick, I went up, gimmick tables. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I went up to the table, and uh, in a row, there's Marty Skrull, Will Ospreay, um, Zack Sabre Jr., Ricochet, you know, all kinds of guys. So I met those guys, and Will Ospreay, I walked up to him, and I had my selfie stick with my camera. Uh-huh. And I guess, I guess no other fans had brought a selfie stick uh, that weekend up to that point. Because yeah. this guy, this guy got so excited about my selfie stick, uh, he he takes the selfie stick out of my hand, right, and then he just starts taking pictures, and then he goes, uh, you know, it's me and him in there, and then he goes, hey Ricochet, because Ricochet's standing next to him, he's just doing nothing. Ricochet, get in here. And Ricochet's like, oh, is that selfie stick? And he just gets in the picture, and these dudes took over a thousand photos on my phone. See that? Those are, those are fun little stories that always happen, you know, at. at- WrestleMania weekend when there's a weekend where an entire town is taken over by wrestling fans and wrestlers. So it's basically like yeah. the, the world's biggest circus comes into town, takes over the town and leaves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so one of the reasons the point of the show I have is, is positively pro wrestling is there's a lot of negative talk and things like that about storylines or wrestlers or who's getting pushed or not pushed or TV time or whatever. But there's mm-hmm. a lot of awesome stuff to focus on. Um, and I know people complain sometimes about WrestleMania itself going to part-timers and the everyday guys don't get their time to shine in the, in the biggest show. But for the fans, it's an awesome weekend. You know, no yes. matter, no matter what type of wrestling you like, there's something there for you in that town. So WrestleMania itself could be the last thing on your list you do that weekend. Um, but it's still an awesome event. It sounds like you pack everything in. Yeah. My, my thing is WrestleMania is not about WrestleMania. Oh, even though it is, yeah. uh, it's about everything else that you get to do. Yeah. WrestleMania itself is just like the icing on top of the cake, you know? Yeah, I've kind of described it to my friends. I'm like, well, WrestleMania isn't for the fans who watch every week. It's for the casual fans. It's kind of like the Super Bowl. You know, they don't have a huge halftime show every year at a football game. But during the yeah. Super Bowl, they put all the bells and whistles on it, and that's kind of what this is. But yeah. on the outside, the whole town, you know, it's and it's just the atmosphere, and everyone's in a good mood, and... I don't know if you experienced this, but my wife was telling me, she's like, I just can't believe how nice everybody is. <laughs> like Everyone's saying hi and talking to everybody. No one's fighting. I'm like, yeah, I know. That's because that is because we, as wrestling fans, we get bullied by everybody else and criticized for what we love. And, you know, it's it's that one time where we can go for an entire week and just be ourselves anywhere we go. There's someone there like us. Yeah, and because we we're all everyone's in on it. Like no one thinks anything's not that it isn't. Everyone's in on what's going on, and it's the one place, yeah. like you said, everyone's everyone's in. You know, arena shows in your local town are one thing, but even that's a little. That's like a tenth of the scale of what the WrestleMania experience is. Yeah, so, and I go ahead. I'm I always try to explain that to people, but it just. You know, if they haven't been, it's not going to register, you know. I, my, my goal, I tell everyone to drag someone you think wouldn't like it, and you'll get them converted. Yep, definitely <laughs> that. So, mm-hmm. what, so before we wrap up, what's on your itinerary? It sounds like you're going this year. What's on your itinerary this year? Oh, here, let me open it. I actually have to read it off because it's so huge. It's what, like five, uh, six weeks away now, right? Yeah. It. Oh, my God. I actually, the reason that I, uh, that I, had to uh, take an extra 15 minutes was because I was buying more tickets. Uh, <laughs> uh, Thursday I have, it's, that's a light day. So it's going to be the WrestleMania superstore opening. Okay. I'll go to that. And then there's an evolve show Thursday night. I'm going to sit in third row for that. Uh, Friday, 
at uh, noon is Progress. I'll be third row for that. And then RPW at four. I'll be front row for that. And then I'm already I'm already tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. And then uh, the Hall of Fame. I'll be on uh, I'll be on the floor for the Hall of Fame at seven p.m. And then at midnight, uh, Kaiju Big Battle. And then Saturday, it's just kind of uh, WrestleCon or Access, whichever one I wake up and feel like doing. Mm-hmm. It's Saturday night. I got uh, NXT Takeover. Yep. And uh, then Sunday, I got Access or no Access. You know, that just kind of depends. Waking up Sunday morning is kind of surreal when you're there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you I, just got to soak it all in. When I've gone, I found that Sunday mornings Access and Sunday afternoons Access are the least crowded. Because like everybody's kind of ready for mania, but you could still meet a bunch of cool people. Yes, yeah. And then uh, Sunday at two p.m., I got uh, the Jim Ross show. Um, oh wow, he's doing it the day of. Wow. Yeah, yeah, just a few hours. And but I have the I am literally front and center for that show. Uh-huh. Uh, we bought the tickets as soon as they went on sale. We were done in like ten seconds. And uh, five p.m. obviously WrestleMania. Uh, if anybody's listening to this, uh, they can catch me in section 136. All right. And then, uh, uh, Monday I got Raw, and then Tuesday SmackDown, and Wednesday I'm going home. So almost a full week, you're jam packed. So yes, and then I, can... I will be dead. <laughs> well, that's awesome though. Like it's you said, it's a once a year trip type thing. Everyone, people go on vacations to wherever they want. Wrestling fans go to WrestleMania. So yeah. I was yes. kind of, I'm kind of in the same boat as you as you were the other year where I may have to skip this year in order to go next year full blast. So we'll see where we're at. My wife's kind of trying to convince me to go, but we'll see. Because yeah. <laughs> um, she's like, well, you go every year. You have to go. I'm like, well, we'll see. You know, I kind of want to save and get a lot more done next year. So we'll see where we're at. Yeah, I feel like I feel like for anybody that's on the fence about going this year, I feel like this year will be a really good year to go, especially for nostalgia. If you love the WrestleMania 24. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just make it a day trip, make it a two day trip. Yeah. You know, come in Saturday, leave Monday, you know? Yeah. That's kind of what I'm thinking. We'll see. I actually went to the last WrestleMania in Orlando and that one was a blast. So, uh, we'll, we'll see if I, I end up there. Um, you got a Twitter handle or anything or forum, sir, or anything you want to follow? I am on Twitter at JL cage. Um, on YouTube, I am one Josh cage, O N E, not the number one. Uh, YouTube, I'm doing a lots of videos for WrestleMania. You're gonna have some like on the scene videos this year too. Like, on the scene of WrestleMania. Yeah, and like the whole weekend, I guess. Yes, I'm doing. I have a, a big lineup for WrestleMania. Awesome. Uh, should be like no other YouTube channel because most of the stuff that comes out is boring, and you're seeing the same thing over and over again. Just a POV uh, of walking in crowds. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Let's stop doing that. Uh, <laughs> and. Uh, on the wrestling forum, which is where you found me, yep. I am the OP of the uh, WrestleMania travel threads. I'm the longest reigning OP. I am on a streak of three WrestleManias in a row come 34. Awesome. So, Yeah, anybody um, listening that's thinking about going has questions, wrestlingforum.com, uh, the WrestleMania travel thread. Seriously, you find so much information. There's veterans like me and like Josh that have been to WrestleMania that can give you tips. There's people selling extra tickets. It's the threads can get a little intimidating because they're like a thousand pages long, but yeah. uh, there's a ton of information there for you. Any questions, just ask. People are pretty cool about responding. So wrestlingforum.com. Yeah, and I work. I work 
very hard to set up the uh, OPs and those threads mm-hmm. with all that information. It takes takes days and hours to get it done. Mm-hmm. You know, when from the minute a WrestleMania gets announced in a city, I am on a 30 page template in uh, Google Docs. Yeah, the thirty the thirty four travel threads already up, everybody. <laughs> FYI. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's so long, but I love doing it. You know, it's fun getting all those people from around the world making new friends. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it, um, everybody. Josh Cage, JL Cage, one. What was the YouTube again? I'm sorry, one. One Josh Cage, one and Josh that's Cage. not the number one. Yep. Spell it out, everybody. One Josh Cage for I'm regardless of you know. Um, if I go to WrestleMania or not, I'm definitely checking out the YouTube channel because I get I get down yeah. those YouTube holes of following people's like day in the life videos at wrestling events. So I'm sure yes. I'll be on yours. Oh yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a blast. I'm working on a, like I said, lots of stuff. I am looking at my set list now, and it's it's gonna be pretty great. Right. Awesome, man. Well, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. All right. All right. Thanks, Josh. Um, really appreciate him coming on. It was a fun interview, not as long as the last couple of weeks, but still. I love having people come on and talk about their experience at these shows because it's like you talking about it's different and it's a different community than you go to as a standard to Monday Night Raw. Uh, I went to Monday Night Raw last night here in Chicago and people were swearing, drunk, and assholes, and, and all that. That doesn't happen at WrestleMania. I think it's because, one, WrestleMania is expensive, so they want to enjoy themselves. But it's just a much friendlier of an atmosphere. Like, no one's like, your wrestler sucks. Like, there was a guy yesterday in front of me during the – I think it was like the woman's like segment. It was like the Bailey and McFoley and Charlotte and Sasha and Stephanie all in the ring together. Yeah. And this guy started going, you want to chant AJ Styles? AJ Styles. Like, what the hell are you talking about? We're at Raw. Shut up. Like, <laughs> give him a break. And then during the Neville, um, who did he face for the title last night? Rich Swan. Yeah. That was a great match. And people were going, CM Punk. Like, dude. Why are you giving these guys shit? Like, if you want to chance Stephanie, go ahead. Sure, I get it. She's like right. the owner of the company, but yeah. Uh, that it, anyway, were you personally rant. offended with uh, Stephanie called you losers? No, because <laughs> you know what sucks is like she, I'm sure she doesn't want to even address him, but she has to because yeah. when she says it, everyone's like, okay, we got what we want. And everybody shuts up. Right. If not, they're going to be going CM Punk the entire match, which sucks for the wrestler, sucks for the segment. It's hard enough to hear as it is when you're live with the microphones. You can't hear anything when people are chanting when you want to know what's going on storyline-wise. So, right. Anyway, let's go back to more positive stuff <laughs> as the theme of this show, the Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast. Well, just to go back a little bit, I, I wanted to mention this in the past. I think I had asked you if, if you have ever done an EFED, and you said that you're doing EFED now, this, this, A little bit. So I used to do an EFED where I would write my own storylines, mm-hmm. I would write my own promos, and it was all just typing out, and then you would have somebody like the president. He would read the stuff, and there would be like a little voting committee to see who won okay. with your promos. So you make up your own characters. So I had a character. I had, you know, the character's girlfriend was a wrestler. And then my whole backstory was similar to Bret Hart's, (laughs) like with the dungeon. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so that's how much I liked Bret Hart back then. (laughs) Did did he win the belt in your EFED ever? He did, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I won the world title. I won tag team titles. I won, like, whatever North American title. was in EFED, just you? (laughs) No, there was, like, 15 other guys. Well, I think there's a... uh guy here for me hold on one sec okay so i'm gonna leave that in there because whatever <laughs> it was, it was yeah. a landscaper ringing my doorbell <laughs> he needed some help and forrest wanted to help too so whatever right. um what else do we got here 
Eric was just finishing up his eFed conversation, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> so we're back at number five for the top uh, WrestleMania, so- WrestleMania songs, WrestleMania main events of all time. So number five was the match I was playing when you walked in was The Undertaker versus Edge from WrestleMania 24. Did you go back and watch this one? I did. And I you watched it. The... Now you're talking to your chin again. There you go. How are we now? A little too loud. Okay. There we go. Anyway, you rewatched this one, the WrestleMania 24? Yeah. Uh-huh. Did you remember, were you watching at the time this was live or no? No. Okay, I was. I went to this one, and this is when I kind of really started to get back into it again. Mm-hmm. And I thought this match was very underrated. When I re- I, I knew it was good because I remember it being good, but I was like, man, they tell an awesome story. There's big moves. You know, Undertaker's all the spots. There's false finishes. There's the edge heads run in. Um, I think this has got Edge's best WrestleMania en- entrance ever because it's outdoors, all the pyro going off. Yeah. Um, Undertaker's awesome entrance. He's got the guys like the druids with the uh, the torches come out, and it was just an awesome overall entrance. Yeah, I really liked started. it. What What about the match itself? When you rewatched it, did you like? Did you like? Just go ahead and talk whatever you want about it. I thought the buildup was it was really good because Edge. Um, I don't know how many people didn't like Edge or thought he was underrated, overrated, stuff like that, but I thought he was really underrated watching this match and mm-hmm. watching the build-up to it because, I mean, it's just classic Edge. and He was with uh, La Familia. That was with Vicky Guerrero, Chavo, the um, yeah. Riders, Hawk, and like all that. Yeah, so that Edge was the group, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, a classic heel, they got to go against Undertaker. So I think the build-up was that, I remember they had like a funeral. They had the ring set up like the funeral, mm-hmm. um, like a funeral ceremony yeah. for the yeah. burial of Undertaker's career. Mm-hmm. I thought that whole segment was really good. Um, going all the way to the end, then Undertaker's music hits. So then the two um, Ryder and Hawkins they jump out of the ring. They go to the bottom of the ramp, waiting for him to come down the ramp. But mm-hmm. Undertaker's in the casket, so he comes <laughs> out. You know, starts beating everybody up. Vicky starts screaming. Um, I just thought that segment was a good build up for WrestleMania because. Every year, it's always, at the, even at that time, it was, is this going to be the last, is this going to be the end of the streak? And Edge painted a really convincing story that he yeah. was going to be the one to end the streak. Because Undertaker had never beaten Edge. Yeah. That's a story, too. Okay. When I was watching this match live, when I was at the Citrus Bowl, now Camping World Stadium, where WrestleMania is this year, in, what, 25 days, 23 days, or something mm-hmm. like that? So, there's a part where Edge hits the spear, and then we're like, oh, man, it's over because he, like, lays on top of him. But then Undertaker hits the Hell's Gate, and he beats him yeah. with a submission. Because before that, Edge did kick out of the Tombstone, which this was when it's starting to, okay, everyone's kicking out of the Tombstone. But when Edge kicked out, it was after, like, a delay. I think the ref came running down the ramp. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yeah. Because there was a ref bump, and he had to run down that long ramp. It was little nature. Yeah. <laughs> like, sprinting. Right. Um, so it was like, okay, he's probably going to kick out because there's such a delay getting there. But when he hit that spear, I'm like, oh, shit, he's going to win. So they, as much maybe I'm probably in the minority when I say this because I'm a big wrestling fan. I, I read, you know, insider stuff as much as I can, try to mm-hmm. find out as much as I can. But they still get me every once in a while, and I guess I should know better by now. But they still get me, and this match was a good example of that. And that's all I got about this match. It's just a really good match, and Undertaker won. And you got anything else about this match? That was right around the time he started using the Hell's Gate, wasn't it? Yeah. Because it was, he did the last, well, he hit every hit Edge with everything. The mm-hmm. last ride, the tombstone. I think he did a jumping, like, spike tombstone mm-hmm. on it, too. And then the Hell's Gate was like, oh, so this is how <laughs> this is how you win the match. And then it was, I think the story after that, 
it was banned because it was too dangerous and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I, it made me believe because he was using an MMA move that you know, yeah. he was really using it. <laughs> He's a shooter, brother. <laughs> right. <laughs> I always like when Michael calls him the best pure striker in WWE. Why? Because he's got MMA gloves on. Yeah, he's a striker. Right. <laughs> so, real quick story about people who weren't there that wouldn't see this. So, at the end of the match, Undertaker wins. He's doing his pose, you know, kneeling with the belt, and they shoot the rockets towards the stage. Well, one of the rockets misfired, shot into the upper deck stands. I read that. And then we we saw them like, what the hell? And like, there's people up there. And then the uh, like, there's this like huge cable like connecting something fell, hit me on the head. I was in the second <laughs> level. Hit me. We were like, what the hell is this? We yeah. picked it up. So part of the experience. <laughs> apparently, man, I, I I can't believe that's not a bigger deal. Like, more, I don't do think. Pe- do people get injured? I don't think I think badly. I'm sure if they did, they got like, you want a WrestleMania T-shirt? Sign this. Right. Well, I read about it online, and it said after investigation, nothing ever came out publicly about it. So I'm sure they gave him something. Yeah, I can't imagine the tickets. That is like you are. We are not liable for fireworks shooting into the crowd. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that one, yeah, Undertaker gets the win. Streak continues. He won the title. Back-to-back years where Undertaker won the belt at WrestleMania. And the funny thing, well, this is the thing. Like, we're talking about these matches, and we're summing them up in two, three minutes. But right. they're really long matches, and they're dramatic, and it, it's a lot of back and forth, and it's a lot of emotion with the matches, but we just kind of breeze through them. Oh, yeah, we did and, this, this, and, and that, and they won. <laughs> and I do that because I don't – so there's, there's a couple podcasts I listen to that I like a lot, but yeah. they do – really intense breakdowns like move by move then yeah this i don't happened. want to do move by move right and then this it's... happened and then that happened it's like i want people to go watch it themselves yeah. and i think if you're listening to this show you're a wrestling fan you're probably gonna go find some of these matches we're talking about or or know them off the top right. of your head um and i think a lot of people think like how we're talking about it but mm-hmm. I, I don't want you know people that are new to wrestling to to think that we're just minimizing the matches yeah they are these are uh, the minimum of these matches are they're all 25 30 minute matches right before entrances you know after entrances and exits and all that you're looking at 45 minutes total for experience because the match itself starts when the guy walks through the curtain you know that's that's when your match starts for him and this one's a perfect example of it because of how great the entrances were and going back to the entrance for this match edge talked about how in his i think his documentary he had his blu-ray that was released where you know he was like my arms were numb as I was so pumped, like I was so amped, my arms around me. He's like, and you uh-huh. see me on the rope, like shaking my arms, trying to get feeling back in them. And it's kind of a cool thing to go back and watch. Like, oh, that's awesome. Like he yeah. was so like amped up for this match he's going to have. Um, so congratulations, Edge. You made our list. <laughs> <laughs> you made number five. Uh, let's go to number four. And we're not going to break this one down too much because of last week's episode. Uh, number four is Hulk Hogan versus the ultimate <laughs> from WrestleMania 6. I don't know how much else we could say about this match that we already said last week because we really broke this one down a lot. Yeah. And we had a guest on that was there for it. You know, go back and listen to that show if you want. It's episode 9, WrestleMania Memories, WrestleMania Memories Hulk Hogan. But I don't know what else we can say other than it was just an epic match. It's everything yeah, that it's, a WrestleMania match should be. It's right. epic. It's huge. It's not the greatest technical match ever, but it just tells a story the it's whole match. Hard, it's hard to do today. I mean, they've done it over the years where you get your two biggest, best guys to wrestle. And that's what that match did. Yeah. The Hogan it, Warrior match. Yeah, it's the two top guys in your company going at it. And 
I don't want to skip over it too much because it's the number four match on our top ten list. Yeah. But I mean, what else is there to say? I mean, there's the the finish we talked about was cool. We talked about how the entrances were cool, where they everyone else that day was going to get out on carts, and both these guys made them seem special. Like, no, we're not going on those carts. We're running or walking down to the ring. <laughs> right. Um, also, after the match, they you know they'd give the big hug and and pounding each other, and then. Not pounding each other, sorry. <laughs> let me let me clarify that. So this is kind of a silly. Again, I have all these stupid memories from when I was a kid, whether it's wrenching a videotape or watching it. So when I watch this one, when they're hugging the Ultimate Warrior and Hogan are hugging after the match, and Warrior is like not giving him a pat in the back. He's got a fist. He's like yeah. pounding the shit out of Hogan's back. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and then there's been multiple stories about how after the match, Pat Patterson was trying to find the Ultimate Warrior and couldn't find him. And he found him crying in a in one of the locker rooms. He was so happy and so emotional that he did it. I don't know if I buy it just based on a Warriors interview since that he just tur- treated it as a job and nothing else. But who knows? That's no, I, I think there's some humanity under all of that. You know, you're stuck in the, you're in that moment. You just won the biggest title in front of one of the largest and loudest crowds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course you're going to be emotional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Go back and listen to our WrestleMania Memories uh, Hulk Hogan podcast, which is episode nine. That will give you a lot more detail and insight <laughs> in this because I don't feel like having a repeat of last week's show. As much as I love Hogan and as much yeah. as you hate him and it makes, just makes me laugh to make you have to talk about him more, we're going to skip him. All right, thanks. Now we're in the top three. <laughs> and My number three is uh, Shawn Michaels versus Triple H versus Chris Benoit. WrestleMania 20 for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, this I, is, this didn't make my top ten, so I didn't really I didn't watch it until this morning when mm-hmm. you said you know watch it. Yeah, so I was on YouTube. I was I was watching it, and then I ended up watching the Backlash because <laughs> it was the same Triple Threat match at Backlash. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this isn't WrestleMania, <laughs> so I went back and watched the WrestleMania one. I watched it more as a highlight version okay. instead of like the full version because okay. I watched the full version of Backlash. But Benoit won both. Because <laughs> he won, I'm like, why is he winning with a sharpshooter? <laughs> is that the Backlash one yeah, with the sharpshooter? Yeah, finish. So do you got any thoughts on the highlights of it or anything? Because you said you, you didn't really think about it. Like, I thought it sucked or whatever, but it's the... Benoit, in the in it aside, it's the, I think it's the best triple threat match ever. It was a it was a pretty good match at the time when it happened. I wasn't. There was an era where I just didn't watch that much, like the Eddie Guerrero, the the peak of Eddie Guerrero, the peak of Chris Benoit, and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, that's what this match, I guess, is known for. You know, prior to what happened, yeah, that you know those two won the the world titles on that same night, and the confetti and all that kind of stuff coming down. But I I wasn't really watching. I didn't. I don't know. I just didn't watch mm-hmm. it. Yeah, at the I, time, so the build-up and and the aftermath, I doesn't I was, play a part. I so. wasn't watching much either at this time in two thousand four, but I guess this is a question for you. I think it's I think I know the answer to it. But if you're going back and watching a match you didn't watch when you, at live or when you were younger or whatever, are you more critical of it, or could it probably be more critical of it because you don't have any warm feelings about it? Or about you when you were watching I think stuff that I watched in the past that I did have warm feelings about, I had good memories about. I'm like, oh, yeah, I totally remember where I was when this happened and how I felt. I don't have any of that, so I'm really just watching it um, 
just watching it just for no mm-hmm. reason. I, you know, I try to find out what happened before because I like to know what happened before, why this match happened, and what happened after the match. So I'll look up stuff in the buildup. I'll watch the match, then I'll read about the aftermath or try to watch some raw videos or SmackDown yeah. videos aftermath to see. I don't know, just to just to make it feel like I was more into it. But. Yeah, because it's wrestling matches on their own to me are tough to watch if I don't have anything invested in it. So, like you said, you've got to go back and watch the story, build up to it. Right. Those those hype videos are awesome. But it doesn't compare to the actual build and the payoff of seeing these two guys have a fight yeah. after all this shit was talked to each other, all these things were done to each other. So that that's the whole point of a wrestling match, I yeah. think. And with this one, I started with uh, not that I watched the, the Royal Rumble or the pay per views, but you know, I read about <laughs> it, I watched some clips. But Benoit won the Royal Rumble to get into the title match, um, and then the storyline between Triple H and uh, HBK. Kind of goes back further than Royal Rumble, and it kind of culminates back and forth. Yeah, it started back in SummerSlam in 2002 when mm. when he came back when uh, Michaels came back. Yeah, and then this one was 2004. Yes. Yeah. So it's kind of silly <laughs> the reason Michaels got in the match, like because originally Benoit was a SmackDown guy, and he ended up challenging Triple H um, as the Raw. Which champion. I don't think it was ever done before. No, and so. They do the contract signing, and Michaels is trying to convince Benoit, no, I need this. I, I want finished business. <laughs> so Michaels super kicks Benoit and just signs the contract. Like, that <laughs> yeah. makes it valid. Right. <laughs> but they end up making it a triple threat, which I think was the right call. Some people, I think, have complained, saying, oh, it should have been Triple H, just Benoit, but you needed more star power than that, at least at least for me. Yeah, I think at power. the time the business was kind of down, too, and it helped that the, the three big guys were there. Yeah. Um, because you still get I mean, any triple threat, you're going to get your one-on-one moments, and there were a lot of them between Triple H and HBK, Benoit, HBK, Benoit, Triple H. So I mean, mm-hmm. people you know go outside for a little bit, let the one-on-ones happen. When I watched rewatched this match, what struck me was how much the crowd in New York, because this is at Madison Square Garden, wanted Benoit and only Benoit to win. Like obviously they were going to cheer for Triple H because he's a heel, but yeah, no one wanted Shawn Michaels. Definitely didn't want Triple H. It's like, we only want Benoit to win. And when he did win, I think he made Triple H tap to his, his crippler crossface. The crowd went nuts. It was a huge pop because people are so happy. Yeah. Because things they were used to at the time of Triple H always winning and always, you know, you know, saying, I'm I'm the game. That was a bad Triple H impression. <laughs> but um, he always won. Even the year before, he beat Booker T in his title match at yeah. WrestleMania. So he always won. And then when he finally won, it was like, okay, awesome. Our guy won. Like the underground little guy one. It's still tough sometimes to watch the match, especially afterwards with all that stuff, but you have to look at the match itself, and that's what we're doing, just counting down many events. I also like Triple H's white boots here in the match. I, yeah. were, I liked them. <laughs> I like the white boots. Um, and like I said, I, before we started talking about the match, I think it's probably one of the best, if not the best, triple threat match ever. Definitely at WrestleMania. I think this is better, obviously, because it's higher on our list than the Brian Orton Batista match. Oh yeah, yeah, this was better. So let's go over to number two. And our top two, we agreed on. Yes, which two. I think was cool. Um, number two is Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Rock from WrestleMania 17. This was the absolute hype and peak of WWE in popularity. Um, this is right after they bought WCW. This is just the, the height of. Of wrestling. I don't think that invasion storyline started yet because it was almost no. a week. It started right after before. this. It yeah. started after this. But The Rock was super hot. Yeah. Austin was too. I mean, there was both super popular guys. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and Austin, this being in Texas, Austin was much more of a favorite than The Rock. So when I rewatched the match, like I forgot how big of a pop Austin got when his glass hit. And he had the dumb disturbed remix version yeah, of the song. Like those are the words as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and uh The Rock doesn't get boo when he comes out, like during his entrance. He he does, little, yeah. No, not when not during his entrance. He okay. gets a little bit of a cheer. As soon as the match starts, because it starts off right away, they don't stare at each other, they don't do a pomp and circumstance thing, they just start wrestling, they're uh-huh. brawling. And the rock starts getting booed right away as soon as he gets any offense on Austin. I mean, I've got a bunch of notes on stuff. Do you want to talk about anything before I go into that? No, go ahead with your notes. Um, like I said, starts off fast, doesn't slow down, and it being a brawl, I think as far as not a technical wrestling match or whatever, it's the best brawl match ever, I think. Um, it's brutal. They never st- like It doesn't slow down either. There's no like rest periods during this entire match, and the crowd doesn't slow down either. Yeah, they both get bloody pretty early with hitting mm-hmm. each other with the bell, ring bell. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's really... It's a good fight. Yeah. And the what I also thought was cool was, I mentioned it being an awesome brawl, but as the match goes on, it starts turning a little bit of a wrestling match. Uh, uh, Austin throws in the Million Dollar Dream, which I was like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> you know, he popped it on, and then The Rock hits Austin with a stunner. Austin hits The Rock with a pretty awesome rock bottom. Yeah. Like, he gets him good. And the last 10 minutes of this match, when Vince comes out, are just, it's just insane. Like, the crowd is just going nuts the entire time, like 10 minutes. And I think the reason this isn't number one is because of the ending of the match, mm-hmm. um, at least to me, where Austin turns heel and joins with Vince. But other than that, man, like, I, I don't, it, it, I can't do this match justice, but just by talking about it, you have to actually go watch it. I remember it. watching it in my friend's basement, um, and I just could not believe that Vince and Stone Cold were teaming up after all the years that they were at each other's throat and just. Especially in Texas, like when yeah. the crowd like wasn't buying it. Austin's talked about how it's his biggest regret. You know, he should have shook Vince's hands and watched the stunner and stunned him. Yeah, and people would have been like, "Okay, cool." Like he'll do what he has to do to beat the Rock. He just used Vince. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and people would have bought it. But man, just an awesome. It, I I think I sometimes you think when everyone talks about how great this match is, it's kind of hyperbole. But then you watch, you're like, no, it's an awesome match. It really is awesome. Yeah, it is really good. Um, and I think one of the things that Stone Cold and The Rock do really well is pantomime, like their reactions and you know hit him in the face and all that kind of stuff. Where people up in the upper deck can actually see, like, oh yeah, he's going to do that. You know, the middle fingers and the exaggerated, yeah. you know, uh, The Rock spitting in his hand and winding back and clocking Stone Cold. Mm-hmm. Like, everything is so exaggerated, so everybody in the arena can see what's going on. Yeah, it's and the selling is great too. Mm-hmm. And the finish is. Again, the finish is what bugs me. One, Austin hits an awesome stunner on The Rock, and everyone thinks it's over. And this is after Vince is helping him. Yeah. And then Rock kicks out. But then he beats the shit out of him with a chair, like tons of chair shots. <laughs> then Austin wins, and the crowd still pops. I counted it 16 times he hit him really? with a chair. Yeah. Well, he got that. He's like, this is for Mick Foley. <laughs> right. Get <laughs> <laughs> in the back of your head. Um, but Austin ends up winning, and the crowd still loves it, even though he's shaking Vince's hand. I don't know. It's it's that other than if well there was a double turn there because I no I how was it a double turn? Well, the Rock the was, crowd was right behind Rock after Vince came out. And no, they were cheering Austin. Awesome watch it again. All right, I watched it this morning, but sure. <laughs> watch it ten times. 
Okay. So let's go to number one, which Eric and I both had as our number one. Eric, do you want to say it? Since I said it, every other one? It's this the privilege. Uh, Streak versus Career WrestleMania 26, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels 2. Mm-hmm. Not as good as one, but still. I think the story is a lot better. This one is. Yeah. Okay. Why so? I forgot when they did the, the slammies, but uh, Shawn Michaels says, I, I know I can beat you. You know, one more match. Give me one more match. And Undertaker says no. <laughs> mm-hmm. So then the only, I think Undertaker has the title. So mm-hmm. the only way um, Shawn Michaels can get back to him is to do the Royal Rumble. He goes through the Royal Rumble. He gets eliminated. So there goes his chance to get back an Undertaker. Mm-hmm. And Shawn just starts snapping. He's super kicking people for no reason. He's, he's pissing off Triple H. But Triple H, I think, is more understanding. It's like, okay, Shawn, take it easy, Shawn. You know, dude, mm-hmm. you're, you're going a little crazy, Shawn. Instead of not being like, I think he's just being a good friend mm-hmm. and, and being more compassionate with Sean. Yeah. And then he costs Undertaker his title. <laughs> yes. He super kicks him in the elimination chamber. Yeah. And then finally Undertaker's like, fine, but you got to put your career on the line. And then this is a match. Everyone's like, okay, well, Michaels is clearly going to lose because no one's beaten Undertaker. And <laughs> until a couple years later, and, Nobody is expecting Michaels to continue to keep wrestling. But this match has a ton of awesome moments. <clears throat> this one is definitely a spike pile driver at the end. Yeah, I, we'll we'll get to that in a second. But some of the cool spots, like the moonsault off the top rope through the table to on the outside, was nuts. Right. Um, I was at this one live, and when Michaels at the rope, I'm like, it's elbow drop, elbow drop. My buddy's like, nope, moonsault. I'm like, there's no way he's doing a moonsault, and he did I it. thought elbow drop, too. Me, too. And like, oh. And he actually hits him on his leg, Undertaker's, like, knees, which would be stupid, but, but the whole match, he's working his leg. So yeah, like, I, think, okay. I think a minute and a half into it, you mm-hmm. know, he's favoring his leg the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a little bit less of a tear down for me from the first one just because the first one like i think it's hard to top but the fact that they came as close to they did as mm-hmm. it is just just awesome you know um another match i don't want to go crazy detail into it. i just want people to go ahead and watch it and just enjoy the match um enjoy the entrances enjoy the the moments of after michael's leaves and the finish too i thought was amazing where michael's is just crawling up at him and he's just like stay down so Michael slaps him in the face. Right. Undertaker choke slams him. He's like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Just spikes yeah. him with the yeah. uh, jumping tombstone. tombstone. I thought it'd been cool if Michael hit with one more super kick. <laughs> like pushed him and hit kicked him and fell on him and like yeah. and then the Undertaker kicked out and won, but oh. Just a great match from top and in this one too, they learned from the year before, they're like, All right, it's gotta be the main event. Like we can't let like granted we have title matches. I think the title match that year was Edge versus Jericho and Cena versus Batista. Mm-hmm. Which you would have thought, okay, they're going to do Cena Batista, but know. but they're like, no, we can't. Like, we know we have to make this is Michael's last match, and there's an awesome shot um, of the of the last shot of the show because this was at the University of Phoenix Stadium and had a retractable roof, so the the roof was open and it's just like looking into it, and the camera pans out as Michael's is at the top of the stage, it goes literally all the way outside the stadium. You can still see inside of it, so it's just an awesome. Story, awesome match, tough to bottom. Like, How did you deal? feel when he lost? I was expecting it. Um, I will say I'm also very, as much as I wanted to see him wrestle again, I'm happy he stuck to it, and that was actually his retirement match. 
yeah. obviously he can come back whenever he wants. Yeah. But it's I don't think it's ever happened where it's like this is my last match and then it was his last match. Austin is the only other guy I can think of, but he didn't even announce it. He's like, This is just my last match. <laughs> it's like really who cares? For me this was the I don't know, the best match that I totally just got just so involved in like whatever was on my screen I was watching, nothing else mattered. Mm-hmm. So as I was watching it, I, I got emotional because I don't know. He's his last match, his career, everything, the rockers and everything pre WW, everything leading up to this is just, and it's easy. It's to be, over. Easy to be jaded about that because Ric Flair had the same thing. Oh, I didn't feel bad about it. I just felt no. I said jaded about okay. about like oh whatever you know yeah. because he's gonna obviously wrestle against everyone wrestles again. But he didn't. You know nothing. He did a referee job, but that's yeah. it. Uh, he's been involved in WrestleMania every year since then, but he's just he's my favorite wrestler of all time, and I'm really glad that he got to to have his last match be an amazing match and be at WrestleMania. And where would this rank for you, this match, if we were doing top WrestleMania matches of all time? Not necessarily main events. Top ten, top five? Top five. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. So, uh, <laughs> Good to if, know. It, well, if we ever do the top WrestleMania matches, that's such a big project because there's so many matches. Like, it's, we, I, like, we have to stick to main events because there's just so many matches. Yeah. Um, so let's recap really quickly here with our top ten main event WrestleMania main event matches here. All time. So number ten was Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns slash Seth Rollins from WrestleMania 31. Number nine was Shawn Michaels versus John Cena from WrestleMania 23. Number eight was Brock Lesnar versus Kurt Angle at WrestleMania 19. Number seven, Daniel Bryan versus Randy Orton versus Batista, WrestleMania 30. Number six, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, WrestleMania 12. Number five, The Undertaker versus Edge, WrestleMania 24. Number four, Hulk Hogan versus The Ultimate Warrior, WrestleMania 6. Number three, Shawn Michaels versus Triple H versus Chris Benoit, WrestleMania 20. Number two, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Rock, WrestleMania 17. Number one, Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker, WrestleMania 26. One of these matches is not like any of the other matches. And do you know which one it is and why? No, but I'm sure you thought about it, and you already have the answer. No, just thought about it right this second. Every match is a title match, except for Michael's Taker. Yeah, you're right. Um, Looking at the WrestleMania history, the only time that the main event was not a title match was WrestleMania's 1, which was a tag match. WrestleMania 8, which was Sid versus Hogan. WrestleMania 11, which was Bam Bam versus LT. And after that, some next one after that was WrestleMania 28, Rock versus Cena, and then 20, actually 26, and then Rock versus Cena is 28. Other than that, they've all been title matches. So, I think it's good to put the title match in that last match, but sometimes it's okay to to bump another match up. So yeah, there was a rumor at WrestleMania 24 they were going to do Big Show versus Floyd Mayweather as the main event, which would have sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, we got Edge versus Taker. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if I said this, but I thought we just all assumed that the main event was going to be Triple H versus Orton versus Cena and the triple threat, but they gave it to Undertaker Edge. So good good move there because the, the triple threat was okay, especially because Orton retained. It was just okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just a good match there. Good match to close with the WrestleMania 24. I think they made the right call. Yeah. All right. You anything else before we wrap up here today? Nope, that's it. Cool. So we've got some edits in there. Maybe I'll do. There's the dog barking. There was landscaper showing up. There was me testing the audio. 
Maybe I'll just keep it on. It'll be PPW yeah. uncensored. Raw. <laughs> Mon- brawl. Monday Raw brawl. Uncut. <laughs> yeah, uncooked. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you to Josh Cage for joining the show. Uh, next week, we've got a couple more WrestleMania interviews. We had one I did a long time ago. His name's Javier, and he's going to come on. And it, it's just the way the interviews worked. I, I just spread them out how they would work, how they work within the shows. So him and my friend Pat, who has gone to a few WrestleManias with me, he's got some good stories. He's on too, so he'll be on next week. Um, thanks to Josh Cage again for joining the show. Check him out on Twitter. Check out his YouTube page. He mentioned that in the interview. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at PPW Podcast. You can find us on SoundCloud. Just search Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast or on your favorite podcast app. You can subscribe to us and give us a rating. That'd be great. If you want to send me an email and be a part of the WrestleMania Memories Project, we're running out of time, but if you want to, there's still time to jump on. PPWpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you, everyone, for joining. Eric, thanks for being here. I got. You can talk. It's okay. Oh, okay. I said thanks for being here. You started, You went to the microphone. They just looked at me creepily. <laughs> you have to edit this out. No way. <laughs> All right. Hey, good to be here. <laughs> Perfect. All right. I'm Steve Fountain with Eric Sanchez. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week.